This episode of The Gourmet Goober is brought to you by SoFoodie. That's foodie with a PH. SoFoodie is the go-to platform that highlights the stories and showcases the talent of brothers and sisters who are innovating and creating in the world of food and beverage. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at SoFoodie, that's foodie with a PH, or sign up for their email at SoFoodieWithAPH.com. This is JG Outlaw. Hi, I'm T Outlaw. And we are back with a new episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast. We want to thank everyone for giving us last week off. We know that it was kind of unexpected when we announced that there was not going to be um, an episode last week. (laughs) But we are truly back. And with that in mind, and we'll explain a little bit on that later. Um, But first, if this is your first time listening, we are, I am the Gourmet Goober, a.k.a. JJ Outlaw. You can find me online, on Twitter, anytime, at JJ Outlaw. I'm on the Instagram, at Gourmet Goober. Um, my nickname came from my dad, and it's part of a cooking blog that still exists called The Gourmet Goober, of course. You can find it at thegourmetgoober.com. If you are so inclined, you can look for me on Facebook, um, or Face look back. for <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Facebook at Gourmet Goober blog. Um, and as always, I'm here every podcast episode with my co-host, my partner in crime, my BFF since college, my hubby, that dude. Okay. I have to psych myself up every time I say this. Say it. The Dark Desperado. The Dark Desperado. <laughs> Big Daddy, a.k.a. T Outlaw, how are you? I'm doing quite well. Where can they find you online? Well, you can find me, that dude, <laughs> T Outlaw, the Dark Desperado. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at T Outlaw, T O U T L A W. Once again, I can spell. And you can also find me on Instagram at T Outlaw, Chelsea Wells, origin like the movie. Yes, although it's weird calling you that dude because, again, that dude is Dirk Nowitzki's nickname, and you do not like Mr. Nowitzki. Dirk Desperado. <laughs> but yes, that dude has now been claimed by me because your little buddy Dirkulus over there, uh, Dirk Dickler, is not playing basketball right now. So I know. I I'm, got this. I miss him. Oh my gosh. I had to go through a whole season without seeing the German dunker. You know, play basketball. It's It was like when Reggie Miller retired. It was really, really hard for me. And you're looking at me sad. 
So we're going to move on. I'm not looking at you sad. <laughs> I'm looking at you great because, hey, I got a whole season. I mean, granted, it was a, a truncated, uh, bubbled COVID season. Look, we both, we both got basketball this season. We both got basketball at the same time, and we will <laughs> talk about one of the heroes of the NBA Finals and playoffs yeah. a little later. We will talk about that a little later. Um, hey, if you guys want to drop us a line, you can do so at thegourmetgooper at gmail.com. Please do so. Feel free to do so. And you can find us also on Facebook. You stop it. Okay. okay. I misspoke. It's Facebook. I know. <laughs> it I might as well be Facebook because if you listen to the show, you know I really hate the Facebook. Oh, Facebook. Hey, hey, hey. If Facebook wants possible. to endorse us, you know, I'm willing to talk. But at No, no, no. Time, if Facebook wants to give us that sweet, sweet money, yeah. we'll think about it. But until then, Facebook is the devil, and I don't like it. Eh. <laughs> Plus, it's, like, super weird, because lately I've been getting hit up by people that I knew back in high school on the Facebook people that I haven't talked to in years. And I'm just like, uh, I don't remember things quite so well between us in high school, but okay. Some of those little beaver cleavers are trying to follow you now. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. It's traumatic. One person in particular asked to become my Facebook friend recently, and it was really traumatic because I'm like, I remember what you did to me in sixth grade, and it wasn't very kind. So I don't necessarily want to hang with you now on the Facebook. But to be honest, I'm rarely on the Facebook, so I guess it's okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, outside of that trauma, as I said earlier... <laughs> Last week, um, we took an unexpected time off. Yes, we did. And Big Daddy, do you want to take the lead on that? Since we always talk about how our week went when we start every podcast. And I guess yours was kind of more interesting than most. I don't know if the word interesting would be the word I would use. But um, the household was quite busy with uh, visits. Um by us to other places, including vets and, well, the hospital. Um, how was my week? I took the week off last week because I have been on a short, well, I have been on a leave of absence from my uh, employment uh, for a short time, not because of COVID or anything like that, but I had to have surgery. And the surgery was for my vision because just at a certain point in September, I think I watched a few minutes of the first NFL game and just, I must've had like a bad reaction and just everything exploded. So that is not what happened. It was not what, <laughs> Hey, I, I could tell them that, you know, I went and got fixed, but somebody <laughs> else in the house did, but we'll get to that in a moment. But yes, I had to have um, eye surgery to clear up a detached retina and some uh, scar tissue that had developed over the years from um, diabetes. So um, pretty much not to go into a long story, but yeah, this was, um, this is my time to work on my overall health and wellness and to just get my act together. But yes, that's how my week occurred. And let me just say, big daddy is fine. And, I want to just express my immense gratitude to everyone who's been involved um, with this health care. It kind of happened so quickly. And 
there were some decisions that really needed to be made. Like, okay, I got to get you to an eye specialist and we, and we're just so grateful. We were able to get right on in that that same week. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, we can get you into surgery that same week. Um, or a couple, like maybe two weeks afterwards, because they had to do some prep work behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, everything just went really smoothly, which is sort of a grateful feeling um, because, you know, now if you know anything about the hospitals, um, a lot of them have very stringent rules and some of them are being very taxed by the, the ongoing coronavirus um, pandemic. So to be able to get him into surgery um, as quickly as they did in front of a specialist as quickly as they did, um, who's done an amazing job and kept us a part of the whole process, I cannot be grateful enough for that. Um, it's, I, I don't know if you wanted to say any more before I jump in. No, pretty much uh, the best I can say is thank you so much to the people of um, the Chicago hospitals, Mercy Hospital and whatnot. Right. Not only for, you know, helping me and being very proactive and safe during these, uh, these visits and during the surgery, but also to the frontline workers and the healthcare workers who do so much, especially over the last seven months. Yeah. It's been, I mean, a tremendous goal. And I was actually blessed to have at least for the visits, not so much for the surgery because of COVID restrictions to have the goober with me, at least for the visits to the doctor or at least to the hospital, because I mean, they didn't have to. So yeah, a blessing for that. Yeah. I was really grateful because it's hard because when your partner, your longtime spouse, they tell you that they have problems with their vision you don't really think about how essential a part of your daily life that is until you potentially lose it. And it was everything from, Oh my God, um, I need to get you in front of a specialist and then getting you there and back. Um, and the specialist that we saw was across the border in Northwest Indiana, not from Northwest Indiana. It was in Chicago. Um, so they have they yeah. have a lot of stringent guidelines. Yes, they do. And we like to say, for, you know, Chicago is very good with their um, COVID, COVID testing yeah. and their preparedness. And Indiana? Not so much. Oh, yeah. We'll so there have been some fears <laughs> when he first got a treatment with the surgery. I was just like, are you going to let me be with my husband because technically this state is on Chicago's quarantine list. So this all developed around the time that this was happening. And I was really worried they're going to say, no, you, you can't be with your spouse, but no, they, they were just like, in fact, there's one lady. I mean, I'm not even sure if I should share this. Mm, I don't know. Okay, I'm not going to share this. Okay. But there was one person in particular who was very sweet in letting me go to the appointment with them. And the way that she did it was actually really, really, really sweet. And she basically said, hey, I understand. I get it. 
go ahead. <laughs> but then, of course, when surgery day came, she yeah. like dropped me off. I think she kept you know the car running and like just did a roll and stop, tossed me out of the car. No, no, because what happened was on the day of the surgery, it was outpatient surgery, and I was allowed to be with him for every appointment. But when it came to outpatient surgery, I couldn't even wait in the waiting room, and because everything is shut down basically where we are i basically drove an hour across the border got home took the dog out and then by the time i settled in they're like oh he's ready to go so i had to drive another 45 minutes to an hour across the border again (laughs) to go get him and then bring him back so it's been really stressful because there's been a lot of administering medicine and drops and you know i'm the one who's doing all the driving which I don't mind. I mean, I accepted that that was just going to be part of it. But yeah, between that and then my own things that I've been working on with my job, because my first newsletter is close to being out in the print, and that's a major part of what I do for the nonprofit organization. And oh, because we didn't have enough stress, we also got the dog fix during that same time. Five days after. Yes. So between administering medicine and taking care of you, and then administering medicine and taking care of Braxton, and Braxton and the whole comb thing, which was traumatic in and of itself. Because literally, we dropped Braxton off. He went to go get fixed. They're like, oh, come get him. He runs to the car. We're like, okay. And then literally, once the time they got him to the car, it was like he became a catatonic statue and he didn't want to move with the cone on his head because mm-hmm. it freaked him out. So we had to do a mad dash to get one of those inflatable cones so he doesn't mess with himself. Yeah, basically, Braxton got the wear holes uh, snipped and yeah. he was all good Like you know, when they brought him out to the car. And then you realize that the cone was a lot bigger because of the size of his neck. Yeah, because he's he has a big head. Like yeah, a he does have head. A, He has a big giant cranium head. <laughs> he has a big Dan Ryan sized head. Yeah, so he has a big expressway sized head. And then literally, we brought him home, and he's like, he realized that his cone was a lot bigger than the rest of his head, and he just. He literally did not move. He stood like a statue. We took him out of the car. He stood like a statue. We couldn't take him to take a, a step. So we had to pick this 70-pound puppy, yeah. almost, mm-hmm. and carry him to the house. And then I, you carry couldn't do up. a lot of carrying because it would put strain on your eye. Mm-hmm. So I had to fight him in the house and then fight him in the area that I prepared for him. And then when it was time to take him out, fight him off the area. Damn and then shame. he didn't want to move. Took two people to like, you know, for him to go out and take a dump. Yeah. So it needless to say, these these last couple of weeks have been so stressful that when it came time to record the podcast, Big Daddy looked at me and he saw that I was literally at my wits end. And he was just like, you know. It's time to take, we'll take a break. Maybe we'll take a break so that JJ can get okay. <laughs> Computer says now. You know, because my cup just 
you know, between working with the editing of the publication and working to make sure that you're okay and helping with that transition. And I know it was hard for you. And then with Braxton and it was just a lot. (laughs) Well, let's just call it for what it is. There was not enough coffee around to carry the goober through that week. So we took a break. Yes. So long story short, dear listeners, (laughs) first of all, thank you for that. Um, that said, um, it wasn't hard, all difficult. Okay. Um, we found moments of joy. Big Daddy, um, during his time off, has really revision visited cooking. So I'm very grateful because this has been a stressful time, like I said, at work. And so you taking that off my plate as best as you could. I haven't burnt really, down the house. Well, no. And I'm grateful for that. Um, it does require a little bit of adjusting. So, for example, you can't leave when you want necessarily. I can't go running the streets. I can't go, you know, stripping. Sorry, not stripping. I was like to say, you go well, stripping. <laughs> Should we talk about this? Can't can't hook that side hustle up. <laughs> also, you know, kind of like face I had back. no idea you're working the pole. Hey, <laughs> sometimes you got to make a little change up in here. I guess so. Yeah, I couldn't. I, my independence has been restricted somewhat. Uh, couldn't get them lemon pepper wings from Lou. No, at the club, so <laughs> I had to take it easy. But actually, I'm pretty grateful because that kind of required us to, you know, revisit, you know, working together, and it and in many ways it was kind of a blessing in disguise because, you know, when you have to rely a little bit more on your partner that leads you to have those sometimes difficult discussion about, you know, what does relying on each other means, especially as you get older and you've been together for a while and how that manifests itself. And so we still found time like, okay, like yesterday, we just built it in our day. We went to target and, and you just got your errands ran, no questions asked. Um, yeah, that's me in Target for the first time in seven months running around. Was that weird for you? Because I know that even before what happened to your eye, you've been avoiding large places like Target. Like, I've been doing the bulk of that because, again, we were trying to keep you out of harm's way because of the COVID. Yeah, I've not been in a, because of the COVID restrictions and uh, social distancing and everything, I have not been in a Walmart since the beginning of March. I have not been in a Costco since February. <laughs> I sure as hell have not been in a Sam's Club in over a year. I, uh, yeah, I have stayed out of a lot of places and going to Target was, you know, pretty cool because, you know, even though the goober was around, I did get a little chance to sneak in and look at all the big screen TVs, but yeah, pretty much I just I, I just had to get a couple things done, grab a few things and get out I'll survive. That's all that matters. But yeah, just the fact we got a chance to get out and at least get some breaths in, that's all that matters. And still sneak in some fun. Mm-hmm. Now, I I did know that you were looking at the big screen. I, But while you were busy looking at the big screen, I was actually looking at... Jason Momoa. Wait, Jason Momoa was in Target? Damn it. Who... 
forgets to tell me these things. No, it was just, uh, I think Aquaman was on sale at one of the DVD stands or whatever. <laughs> no, what I was going to say was, remember when we were in Target and I saw that game that I really wanted? Oh, yeah. The one about throwing the burrito at each other? Yes. She just, all of a sudden, as I'm coming back from the TV area, she like runs up to me like all giggly and laughing, all excited about this random little game called what? Throw Throw Burrito. I'm now obsessed with this game, you guys. So what it is, first of all, the game is made by a company called Exploding Kittens. Exploding Kittens. <laughs> Which is another card game. We'll talk about that in a sec. But what Throw Throw Burrito is, it's a dodgeball game that you play in your house. Or there is an outdoor, extreme outdoor version that has two giant burritos. So what it is, it's a card game. You play it with your family. And what happens is that you match sets of cards by simultaneously throwing, dodging, um, and ducking from two squishy airborne burritos. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is perfect. And you and I you're looking at the big screen, and I know you were looking at the big screen. And I was like, dude, I want this for Christmas. And you looked at me like I was a mad woman. I'm like, you get to throw things. Why would you not want that? Because in this house, I don't think it's going to go the way you think it's going to go. <laughs> no. Yeah, that burrito is going to become a projectile that it, her feelings may end up, you know, there's going to be some furniture moved by the end of this game. Now, look, we've now, been quarantined with on. each other since March, I think. Throwing a burrito every now and then, I think, is healthy. Yeah. I remember playing card games with your family members and how, <laughs> how cutthroat y'all become. Think hey, about us. Hey, 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 that's Uno. That's Uno. Uno is always cutthroat. You know that. I've seen your family play spades. I mean, some of them. <laughs> I've seen us, you know, I've seen your family play Uno and y'all get pretty serious. Now, think about us two playing like throw, throw burritos or whatever. Like, you know, this game is going to turn into, like, you know, forget Battleship. It's just going to become, like, you know, straight ballistic, you know, fire in here. And, Lord, don't let the dog come through here. All of a sudden, that dog is going to get wet up. That's the only thing I'm worried about is the dog would probably eat the burrito. He would chew it because he's, like, obsessed with, like, chew toys. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. But. How much money have you dropped on, uh. The destruction of property because of the dog. I don't want to talk about it. The chew toys are not cheap. and Big Daddy has pointed out to me mm -hmm. when we were at Target yesterday that maybe I have spent way more than I intended on the dog's chew toys. Especially since he just destroys them. But <laughs> There's a destruction and then there's what Braxton is doing to these toys. But he... Had... It makes him happy. <laughs> Makes them happy. Does the cleaning up of these, uh, the fluffies and all the random parts, the vacuum cleaner is ready to go no moss. No. Okay, so the vacuum cleaner is not happy. No. But it makes them happy. But get this. So the company, and we had talked about this. I love this name. It's called Exploding Kittens. So it's a card game, right? Okay. So what you do is you put your card on the table and you take turns drawing from them, right? If you draw an exploding kitten's card, 
you blow up. And if you blow up, you die and you're out of the game. Unless you play a diffuse card, which will stop the kitten from exploding using things like laser pointer, kitten yoga, and catnip sandwiches. Oh, good lord. <laughs> now, while I am, it sounds I am more amazing. Intrigued. Wait a minute. I am more intrigued to play Exploding Kitten <laughs> just by the sounds of the game <laughs> than, you know, throw burritos. But Exploding Kittens. Now I'm intrigued. <laughs> exploding Kittens. This sounds like, can I be Speed Keanu in this? <laughs> Speed Keanu? Really? Yeah, I'm like, whip out the diffuse card. <laughs> I'm like, you know, can I, like, you know, whip out one of the cards with, like, pop, uh, you know, pop quiz hot shot? <laughs> What do you do if you have an exploding kitten card? But should, you draw another card. Should we explain the speed Keanu? Sure. I that's all you play. Okay. How can I explain the speed <laughs> Keanu? Wait a minute. I How could you explain it? Wait a minute. Do I, I need to? I hate that you brought that up. Do you, Do you need a fan to explain this? Because I don't want you catching vapors. <laughs> okay. Story time, you guys. So when I was in college. I was in love with Keanu Reeves, but a very specific version of Keanu, okay? Because we all know, we've been fans of Keanu Reeves, those of us who've watched him over the years, know that he started from, like, I think he was in, you know, permanent record Keanu, there was, like, Bill and Ted Keanu, Um, there was Point Break version Keanu, right? He's getting more buff. And then you get to Speed Keanu, right? Where he's like all buff. He's been weightlifting. He's like on screen, he acts like a Boy Scout. Like when I first saw the movie Speed, I'm not even going to tell you guys how many times I've seen Speed. Seriously, the first time I saw it was with one of my best friends in the world, Nan. Nan told me that I had to go see this movie. So we're in the theater and there's a scene we're in the beginning where there's people trapped in an elevator and he's helping to get them out and he's chewing gum. And Nan looks at me and goes, look how intently he's chewing the gum. If he can do that with his mouth and gum, imagine what else he can do. And oh, from, good Lord. And from then on, I was obsessed a little bit in college with Speed Keanu. So much so that back in the day when they used to have video stores, they had like this ginormous poster advertising speed when it came out on video cassette and DVD. So I had a friend in college that worked at the blockbuster and I said, what are y'all going to do with that poster when you get rid of it? And they're like, we just toss it. I'm like, nah, give it to me. So at one point when big daddy and I were both living in the dorm, I actually had that ginormous speed poster featuring Sweet Keanu, big Keanu, buff Keanu, over my bed. And I the reason why is because every morning when I woke up, the first thing I wanted to see when I woke up was Sweet Keanu. So yes. I have a Sweet Keanu, of course, is no more. I think we're now at the John Wick version of Keanu. <clears throat> what, what happened to Speed the what happened to the poster? Oh the yeah. Um well, I, I uh huh. The poster went with me uh huh all through college uh huh. And well, it had an accent when I was turning off the last dorm room's wall. 
You know, this was traumatic for me, okay? Stop making fun. <laughs> you know what happened to it. We went to college together. No, I don't. No, I do not. <laughs> I do not know what happened to this poster. So anyway, moment of silence for Speed Keanu's poster. Am I taking some box cutters to it if I knew? Speed Keanu's poster is no longer with us. Yeah. And like I said, we're not even with... Speed Keanu himself is not with us. We're at John Wick... Keanu. Yeah, I could deal with that Keanu because, you know, he, the man got, you know, started shooting up folks after they shot his dog. Look, there's nothing wrong with John Wick Keanu. It's just he's not. He's a badass, you know. He's just not the buff boy scout that Sweet Keanu was. John Wick, he, he can whoop some, some ass there. You know, <laughs> he was a bad mofo, you know. Forget How did we get on Sweet Keanu? I don't know. I just kind of, you know. <laughs> But I can see you have the vapors already. <laughs> I'm embarrassed because, well, you know what? I shouldn't be embarrassed because it's not like you didn't know about it. In fact, he used to tease me all the time when he'd come to my dorm room. He'd be like, why is that guy over your bed? And I'm like, because I want him to be the first thing I see when I wake up. And I would. I would wake up and say, good morning, Keanu. It was fabulous. Just kind of like when, you know, the guys in Notre Dame touched the the thing on the way out. I forgot exactly what they're called. It, there's something they touch on the way out, like, you know, out to the uh, field. No, it's like, remember the Janet Jackson um, oh, yes, fo- yes. photo from, what was it, Rolling Stone? Yes, yes it is. That you had in your dorm room. Yeah. That you said hello to every time that same year. So you have no right to say anything to me. Because Pete Keanu was dressed. Janet was dressed for the most part. <laughs> we just touched something on the way out. You know, it's a miracle that we got, A, we got married, and B, we've been together as long as we did. She, she knows who my boo is. <laughs> so, anyway, um, that is how we spent our week. But... Again, we are very grateful because some of you have reached out to us on social media asking about Big Daddy and wanting to know if he's well. Um, and he is doing just fine. So Physically. <laughs> Mentally, I'm just a whole mess. <laughs> yeah. I have no words to say after that. Um, other than we just want to say thank you to everyone, seriously. And we're really happy to be back recording. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. I'm sorry. I'm just thrown by sharing the Speed Keanu story. There's only a few people in the world who knows the Speed Keanu story. Mm. And I just told everybody. Did it's actually kind of that? embarrassing. Exactly. Did I don't think about the, the alcohol. Oh. I'm sorry, the wine bottle. Oh, are you talking about the Instagram? No, like when I was trying to order of the wine couple. Yes. Well. Or did you want to save that for a next segment? Let's save it for next segment. Okay. While she has her Keanu moment. <laughs> you threw me off with a Keanu. <laughs> so we're going to take a break. We come back. Um, we're going to have a supersize um, What's Eating Us segment. Okay. Um, that's the segment where we talk about the intersection of food and pop culture. And... In the meantime, you are listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast, and we will be right back.
Do you know who struggles with creating ideas? People who are actually creative. But do you know what really sucks about being a struggling creative? It's that frustration of starting a new skill, the unbearable phase of being stuck with new ideas, and of course, never knowing when or even how to make a profit from your ideas. You know that feeling. Being a jack of all trades, but master of none. Well, the Conscious Creative Corner podcast is the podcast where real creatives share their secret formulas on how to be irresistibly profitable in their field. So that way you can be a jack of all trade and a master of your money. So if you're ready to leave behind the frustration and exhaustion of not knowing how to live profitably, head on over to the Conscious Creative Corner podcast, where you can gain the skills you need to be a successful magnetic creative. Find it now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And we're the hosts of A Dark Cup of History Tea, a spin-off series to our regular podcast, A Nice Cup of History Tea, where we dive headfirst into the weird and paranormal aspects of the world we all live in. If you want to know your woman in red from your woman in white, or precautions to take against demonic dolls, and just where to go to find Black Shuck on a moonlit night, why not give us a listen? Together we talk about the dark, creepy, and downright terrifying parts of our history and folklore as well as what you should do if you ever encounter any of them. Interested? Come and find us in Buzzsprout, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. So turn on the lights, grab a blanket and some rock salt, and, and let's, let's get, get dark. This is JJ Outlaw and T Outlaw, and we are back with another segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast. This is the segment that we call What's Eating Us, where we discuss the intersection of food and pop culture. And this week, <laughs> we have a lot of stories, and it's so funny because we normally try to focus on the top three, but since we've been out um, over the last couple of weeks, there've been a lot of stories that's piqued our interest. Love foolishness. And so in our production meeting, and believe it or not, we do have a production meeting before every um, episode is recorded. Sometimes we, they have tacos. <laughs> sometimes they have tacos. We went back and forth over trying to pick the top three, and we just couldn't. So this um, segment of the Gourmet Goober is going to be a little supersized um, because there's just so much in the food and pop culture um, world that happened that caught our interest that we just thought it would be interesting to share with you guys. So one thing, Big Daddy actually talked about it in the last segment, and this is over something that recently made news in New York. And basically, there's a couple at a New York eatery um, that was at a restaurant called Baltasar. They actually... Um, got the benefit of something where basically they had ordered an $18 um, Pinot Noir Pinot Noir <laughs> to like have that. with their meal. But instead they got a $2,000 Bordeaux first growth, the most expensive wine offered at the restaurant um, instead. Yes. <laughs> now, just to kind of give you an idea the the most expensive wine, the Bordeaux first growth, it was actually ordered by four Wall Street businessmen 
who didn't even notice the error, which is hilarious. So apparently what happened was that waiters poured the wine, the two wines in identical decanters, but the pricey one was accidentally taken to the couple's table. And the cheap version, the $18 Pinot Noir. (laughs) Sorry. You just like saying Pinot. You know why I like to say Pinot. Yes. (laughs) The Pinot Noir was actually given to the Fancy Pants Wall Street business people. Yeah. Not only did they not notice the error, which kind of makes me wonder, how is it? Because you would think that there would be a big difference taste-wise between, I don't know, an $18 bottle of wine and a $2,000 bottle of wine, you would think. But not only did they not notice it, but the host of the business meeting actually praised the purity of the cheap wine on the list. While the lucky couple jokingly pretended to be drinking an expensive wine. Little did they know that all this time, they were drinking the expensive-ass wine. (laughs) You would think, I mean, I would I would say bless the couple that received the very nice fine wine and that they're still together. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's tremendous. Now, this was actually something that was revealed by the owner of the restaurant. Okay. And so he actually um, revealed that his name is Keith McNally. He was on Instagram. Um, and then there's a wine site that's very popular that I sometimes read when I look for stories called Decanter. It picked it up. Um, so according to him, he said that the young couple was ecstatic by the restaurant's mistake and told me it was like the bank making a mistake in there. It's kind of like going to cash your check for like a hundred dollars and getting like a million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then for the record, um, what, what do you do? Like he couldn't charge them for the $2,000. That was their no. mistake. That's right. So they essentially paid $18 for a $2,000 bottle of wine. Yeah, but the gentleman who did, you know, put down this very expensive, you know, they, they requested this very expensive bottle of wine. Um, what what happens on their end? Like, I'm sure they're a little, you know, turned up by this. Well, I don't know. Because they never said what happened to those guys. Right. And like the restaurant owner said, they all the night were like praising the purity of the chief wine on the list. So that kind of makes me wonder a couple things. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were the people, like you said, who paid $2,000 for an $18 bottle of wine, and you found out that that happened, I mean, do you demand the money back? I mean, what happens in that scenario? Obviously, the people who paid the $18, they got what they got. You, it's they not like you can get yes. the wine back it's gone <laughs> even though i would definitely make sure that i drank all that wine oh i would just be it would just be lit at my table yeah. <laughs> that, was that would just be me like you know standing there popping <laughs> bottles there'd be no popping bottles in me i'd be like sitting there very delicately you know squishing in my mouth like, you know, being, i would be a connoisseur if i knew that this was occurring but then also, it kind of makes you wonder because, okay, I let, let me also just start off by saying I love the taste of wine, but I've talked openly on the show that I'm one of those like genetic freaks that actually was born with not a lot of enzymes to metabolize alcohol. 
Yeah. So I actually can't drink anything other than non-alcoholic wine because anything other than 0.05% alcohol, I get completely turned up. Face down, ass up. <laughs> it's really sad. Yes. Um. So I'm probably not the best person to be able to talk about the nuances between the $18 wine and the $2,000 bottle. But honestly, Don't look at it, it kind of makes me wonder if A, the businessman, I mean, we don't know if they're a true connoisseur of wine, but if like, say for instance, if you are like, I don't know, like the dude on Bob's Burgers who was like really good at the wine tasting. Yes. Like if wine is your jam, would you be able to tell the difference between an $18 bottle of wine versus a $2,000 bottle of wine? Because apparently neither one of them could. Yes. I very much, I would like to believe that you, if you are a true vineyard connoisseur, uh, I'm sure there, I forgot the exact name for these gentlemen, or I'm sorry, these people who know, you know, the difference in the delicacy of these wines that they would be able to tell. But like, you know, if you, you know, if you, if you're charging it on the, sorry, the company account, I don't think they were truly paying attention. They're thinking they're getting like this really, you know, nice, uh, what, what was the age of this, this wine? You know, I didn't say in the article. You know, the snooty $2,000 wine, you know, at the same time, they, like you could literally pour like, you know, some, you can, you know, put some barrels and jeans in that bad boy. And, you know, sometimes they just don't notice. If you think you're getting <laughs> well, the good Okay. Stuff. To be fair, I'm pretty sure that someone would tell the difference between any bottle of wine in Bartle and Jane's, even I know that. <laughs> I don't know. If I take it to the right <laughs> restaurant, I think that I could, you know, pour some, you know, Boone's Farm <laughs> in a bottle and hand it to these guys. And, you know, if they're snooty enough, <laughs> pinky finger up, I think that they wouldn't notice. So you're saying that you could break out the Boone's Farm and they would be none the wiser as long as you put in the fancy decanter? Shit, I could whip out a bottle of Ripple. <laughs> Give me, wait a minute. Matter of fact, I can get some champagne together. No, champagne. You know, put it in the right champagne bottle. Ripple. That's right. Recork that bad boy. <laughs> you know, put it in someone else's bottle. Cork it very well. You know, have a a lovely you know popping of the bottles and then you know hand to them. And I'm willing to say probably thirty percent of these people would not know what the hell I just did. Well, I think most people would be confused by the champagne. That's right. They don't know me. Only me and Fred Sanford know that. Yes. Champagne and Ripple. That's right. <laughs> now, for the record, at the restaurant, Pinot Noir now costs $88 a bottle. So they've significantly raised the price after this happened. Man, it's COVID and, tax is a mother, ain't it? And their cheapest half bottle goes for 40 bucks. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man. You know what this reminds me of? I don't know if you... Gosh, who does it? Is it Vogue or Vanity Fair? It's like... I uh, No, I think it's Cosmo. I want to say it's Cosmo. There is a magazine that has done this series of videos where you can... They ask you, like, can you tell the more expensive item, right? Mm. And you saw one, because remember they did one with Desus and Mero? Yeah. 
And then there's one that was really funny that they did with Nene Lakes of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. I think they did. They, sorry, did they do one with Leslie Jones or was I thinking somebody else? I want to say they did do one with Leslie Jones. I want to okay. say so. Which would be absolutely perfect because, you know, tie in with her Supermarket Sweep show, which, by the way, side note. Oh, my God. You guys watch Supermarket Sweep. I saw it last week. It gave me so much freaking joy. Love Leslie Jones. Hey, I ain't doing no promos unless I'm getting, you know, network promo money. You know what? I'm going to put it out in the ether, though, because I want us to interview Leslie Jones. So, Leslie, if you're listening, please come on the show because I'm obsessed. I've been obsessed with Supermarket Sweep forever. But going back to the topic, I think they did do one with her. But this does lead me to a question. Is there anything that you eat or you drink well enough that you would know the cheaper version versus the expensive version. Pepsi, Coke, RC. Okay, well, to be fair, everyone would be able to tell because RC definitely does not talk, <laughs> taste like Pepsi. RC kind of tastes like pep, pepperdent um, toothpaste, honestly, to me. Yes, it does. So I'd be able to tell. But, like, for example, okay, and I'm not going to go into a lot of explanation. But you know the difference, honestly. Big Daddy has this like weird superpower where he knows the difference between regular rice and Uncle, or what do they call it? Ben Select, because it's no longer Uncle Ben's. That's right. So Ben Select converted white rice. That is correct. And I'm trying to think if I know the difference, if there's any product that I would know the difference between the cheaper one and the more expensive one. I don't know. Mac and cheese. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. You and mac and cheese, like, you went, like, up against the entire country of Canada about their choices of mac and cheese and how they prepare it. Look, all I can say is mac and cheese is too good of a thing to eat to just rely on the blue box with, like, the weird cheese um, the funky cheese food? The, the funky cheese powder. I just... Get some baked mac and cheese. Get your life. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I, I just can't. <laughs> she will literally, like, throw the box out the front door if you serve her that whack mac and cheese. I know this because I've seen her do it. I have not physically done that. I have seen your nose turn, like, completely sideways on people okay i do get horrified if it's bad mac and cheese so you're right with that yes but is there anything else that you could think of oh goodness uh bad sushi Mm. well yeah like the kind you get well like what was it we were at where we admire and they had like sushi and the thing and you're just like oh you get sushi here. I'm like, no, 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 that's not sushi. Because it has like like fake crab and <laughs> it was okay. So maybe I'm kind of a snob for that. Um <laughs> Yeah, she's really good on the raw bait. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Let me see. I'm, I'm gonna have to take the you know the what? The you, task. you you would be good for like like you can tell the difference between like regular chips. Name brand chips and like off brand chips. Not really. Yeah, you can. I've seen you do it. Okay. 
Because, like, when we've gone, because you particularly like Pringles, and you can tell the difference between the Pringles, like, the name brand Pringles and, like, the stuff that we get at Aldi's. You have told me that. It hasn't stopped me from eating them. Well, no, you'll still eat them, but you could tell the difference. Yeah, I mean, I can tell the difference, but at the same time, I'm not going to, like, sit here and have a taste test with them. I will not turn my nose up, but at the same time, like, okay, if you give me some, like, some some crappy popcorn, I'm sure I will probably be a little upset, but... Oh, oh, also, I'd like to say for the record that as a person who grew up in, in Northwest Indiana, but pretty close to Chicago, if you give me that basic cardboard cut-up like raw down like you know really torn down pizza i will get if you give me map let's let's just i'm just gonna cut it out i have a thing about frozen pizzas if you give me some weak frozen pizza you know straight from the frozen i'm sorry the frozen food section and it's like you know even worse than totino's i'm just i'm sorry we're gonna have to get some gloves going because I, I don't i don't do that I am if I am if I'm sedated about one thing, I don't like really bad cheap frozen pizzas. Well, that is true. I mean, when we met, it was kind of weird that you didn't like the frozen pizza. Um, didn't grow up with them. And to be fair, you didn't really have to do that because, well, we lived in a place that was really great pizza yeah but even like you know okay if you give me like a papa john's okay i can deal with it or a domino's pizza hut you know and the local distributors here yeah that's great and all i can live with those but yeah i've i've had some frozen pizzas that will turn my stomach sideways well the only thing i can think of is like there are some good frozen pizzas in fact for the for a long time for go for the block and maybe we should finish that we were actually doing an experiment one summer where we were testing frozen pizzas i still think that would be interesting but anyway could have had some frozen pizza so bad you want to just bite somebody yes okay <laughs> and you know who it is yes and i'm not gonna say it <laughs> so anyway kudos to that couple for getting over um speaking of beverages this week um stories actually have quite a few stories that were tied to the beverage industry other than you know getting over with the two thousand dollar bottle of wine for eighteen dollars that i could service shampoo <laughs> one is actually pretty surprising by the way and this is actually due to coca-cola announcing that after nearly 60 years they're going to discontinue what is pretty much held as the first diet soft drink, and that is known as Tab Soda. T-A-B. T-A-B. The Notorious. Tab. So if you're not familiar with Tab, Tab is sort of like credited with being this first soft um, diet soda brand. It kind of was an icon back in the 70s. Um, one thing that is kind of unique about Tab is his makeup. So Tab Soda is actually one of the few soda soft drinks that was up until recently made with saccharin, um, also known as, you know, what, what is the 
Was it was it Nutris? No. No, no. It's not saccharin. No, no. What was Uh, the weird stuff that they put in it? It's um gosh, what is it? See now I can't remember. I feel like I'm It's whatever came in the pink (laughs) stuff that my mother still loves. It's not sweet and low. Yes, it's sweet and low. Sweet and low was the was the way that they actually sweetened it. Sweet Low and I were never friends. And actually, even though Tab Soda was credited with being the first major um, diet soda to take hold, it actually wasn't the first. And I just recently learned this. Okay. Now I'm intrigued. So the first diet soda was the release of something um, that was released by RC Cola. And they released something that's called Diet Right. Oh, yes. I remember Diet Right. Ugh. That was the nastiest finger pulling. If, if For those who, you know, took on RC, I mean, I grew up with it, so I, I can't knock the hustle. But yeah, Diet Right and I were not friends either. Diet Right, it's, well, it's special. <laughs> it's special <laughs> in its own way. So, back in 1963, RC Cola found some success with the release of Diet Right. And at that point, Coca-Cola wanted in on that market. So, that's when it created its own version of Diet Right, a sugarless fizzy drink that they called Tab. So, courtesy of some clever marketing and some not-so-on-point health guarantees, they um, promised to help people keep tabs on their weight. And that's where the... Um, the name came from. Okay. So throughout the 60s and 70s, that's when Tab really had his heyday. So much so that at a time, it actually had six spinoff flavors. Root beer, lemon lime, ginger ale, black cherry, strawberry, and orange. But eventually, because Tab became so successful, they decided to create a version, a sugary fruit version of Coca-Cola's mainstay project. Better. And in 1982, Diet Coke was unveiled. And once, you know, people could get the Diet Coke, why the hell would they want Tab? Yeah, because it looks like it has a Pepto-Bismol in a can, <laughs> even though it tasted okay. <laughs> well, I don't know about all of that. But basically, once people started drinking Diet Coke, Tab kind of fell out of favor. Right. So much so that, I'll be honest, when they announced last week that they are going to stop making Tab, I was really shocked because I didn't know they still made it. Yeah, like every once in a while you go to the bodega, you see it in the back, but hey, no one ever, it's almost probably the same can from like 2000. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't know that, yeah, they were still selling it, but it's just, you just randomly see it, but you never pick it up. Now, there's a really great article about Thrillist um, from Thrillist.com that kind of goes over this. And they um, interview Carrie Kopp, who is the group director of Diet Coke for Coca-Cola North America. And she basically said that Tab is sort of a tailbreaker source because if it wasn't for Tab, then Diet Coke, Coke Zero, even other versions, because once Coca-Cola came out with their version of Diet Coke, Pepsi followed suit. That's right. So really, Tab was kind of like the trailblazer where this exists. Now, I was kind of curious, like, who the hell still drinks Tab, right? Well, believe it or not, there are still some Tab superfans. In fact, there is a tribute site that 
has been in existence for over a decade, I think. It's called I Love Tab. Okay. And in that super site, it goes everywhere from, you know, Tab Soda. It sells Tab gear. It has old style Tab vintage advertising. And you'll be amused by this. Much like the McRib, you know how they have like sightings of the McRib. This super site actually has it so that you can find your own tab. So if you're like obsessed with it and want to know where to drink it, it'll actually map it out what stores still sell it. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I am impressed. Yes. So um, I actually was kind of curious to see since they're turning it on and I have not had a tab. Honestly, you know, I've not had a tab in about 40 years. 40 years? Yeah. When I was six. Okay, I'm I'm willing to say I did sooner because not that I'm like dropping my age yet, but at the same time, I, I would say it's been a solid twenty twenty three years. So honestly, if you are so inclined, you find your um, a cup of tab or sorry, um, an yeah. actual can of tab. Okay. Grab it while you can, because they're going to discontinue it before the end of the year. Um, so kudos to Tab for paving the way for all of the other diet sodas that are out there. Get that Tab while you can. Yes, get it while you can. And just as a side note, Tab is actually the one um, soft drink that Coca-Cola announced that they're going to discontinue. That's been getting a lot of press. But to be honest, Coca-Cola recently announced that they're going to discontinue about 200 brands of their soft drinks, waters, and related items. Um, everywhere from Tab Soda to Cinco, um, coconut water to my one of my favorites, the Odawala brand, which if you probably are familiar with the stores, they sell like juices and smoothies. They have a juice that I really love that's called the, the Big... No, the Great Green Machine. The Great Green Machine. Yes. So they're discontinuing that as well. Um, they haven't come out with a list of all of the brands that they're going to cut out in order to kind of place their focus on more of their legacy brands like Coke and Diet Coke and um, all of that. But keep your eye out because the announcement pretty much led people to know that they're going to start cutting these brands off by the end of the year. Just as long as they don't mess up the original formula of Coke like earlier in their existence. No, I think they learned their lesson from new Coke. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want that. So speaking of beverage, um, there the third story that we ran across that actually Big Daddy was pretty excited about. Because not only does this cover the intersection of food and pop culture, but it actually relates to sports as well. Um, did you want to share about it? Because it's about Jimmy Butler, who um, actually played in the NBA Finals. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it's pretty much all you with this. But Jimmy Butler, uh, guard forward for the Miami Heat, led the Miami Heat to the bubble finals, the NBA Finals this year, against the Los Angeles Lakers. And while Jimmy was uh, you know, perfecting his – uh, driving to the hole and jump shot game uh, while leading the Heat. He also was a little busy on the entrepreneurial side, uh, perfecting his uh, his coffee bean brand. Yeah, so 
Um, for those of you who don't follow the NBA, um, when the league went back um, into production, just like a lot of leagues, their solution to keeping their players safe and secure from the coronavirus is establishing what is they affectionately called the bubble, which means that all the teams that were playing were housed in one central location um, throughout their whole, um, the rest of the half season leading up to the playoffs. And so once they entered the bubble, they were not allowed to leave. Of course, there were some exceptions, i.e. Lemon Pepper Lou. The wimps. <laughs> but outside of that, pretty much they ate morning, noon, and night. They spent time in the bubble. So Jimmy Butler apparently has this, had this side hustle that he started where he started his own coffee shop. So in the bubble, what he took with him was he took his French press. And from what I understand, he got really, really good with making coffee. So much so that he actually charged his buddies for coffee where a cup of coffee um, during the playoffs was $20. $20? Yes. And he made everything from pour over coffee, cappuccinos, Americana coffee, mochas, cafe au lait, you name it. Now, I got to give him credit, man, because no matter what size coffee you got, I mean, there's a picture of the sign that he had outside his door. And I love the name, this big face coffee, right? So it was cash only. There were no IOUs. It's actually spread in big, spelled out in big print. But if you see here, a small cup of coffee, a medium coffee, or a large cup of coffee, no matter what, it was 20 bucks. Yeah, that's what he, uh, LeBron had to pay. Yeah, so that's my hustle. I, I, I got to give it to him for that. And so from what I understand, he got so good that a lot of people hit him up for that coffee, even though the hotel they stayed at offered coffee as well. So outside of that, he he actually said that he enjoyed it so much that it's a side hustle that he's thinking about. In fact, in a recent interview with ESPN, Rachel Nichols, he said that I'm working on my coffee skills and after my career, I'm opening up my coffee shop. So right now I'm charging $20 a cup. So you want some come through. <laughs> okay. Entrepreneurialism. Yes. On the scale. <laughs> Got that hustle on. Jimmy was getting them buckets. <laughs> buckets of beans. Holla. So apparently this is something that he's taking seriously. And after the NBA finals is over, he actually recently filed for a trademark for Big Face Coffee. Okay. So he's quite serious and making this a full-time thing. So detailing the applications, um, he filed the paperwork on September the 4th, and he's looking for trademark for everything from hats and shirts, housewares like cups and mugs, and then general cafe items. So that includes everything from marking his own coffee beans, coffee grounds, tea bags, um, loose leaf teas, as well as assorted baked goods. So if you think about it, he spent well over $4,000 just in filing fees to put this on the trademark. So this isn't something that's a passing fancy. He's probably maybe making some money moves to, if nothing else, to secure the the name Big Face. But judging by the feedback that the players are giving and the fact that no matter what size cup of coffee, they were willing to pay that $20. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm willing to say that's probably how you, you know he paid for the filing fees is getting the twenty dollars off of you know NBA players. Yes, and they're sad chicks. So one thing that I really think is hilarious um, is the fact that you know, well, first of all, these are multi million dollar players, so they're probably willing to pay, and the fact that his coffee skills were so good. I mean, think about it. Small cup, $20. Large cup, $20. There's no I'll hit you back up later. No. No. (laughs) So what I want to know is how much money did he make on this? Because apparently his coffee making skills got some media coverage during the playoffs. Just as much as its work on on the court. That's the thing. Like they wouldn't detail or Jimmy wouldn't detail how much money he was making off of this. But at the same time. Yeah, he was making off of players, assistant coaches, coaches, uh, staff. I mean, I, I would hope he wasn't tri- like you know making them pay twenty dollars, but yeah, we never know. At the same time, my question is, like, where was he getting all these beans from? I heard that you can get things delivered into the. Okay, so basically, like you know, his you know room was probably he probably just had a bed and just a whole bunch of boxes of beans. <laughs> His house is probably like our house now, where it's just full of Amazon boxes. Only his is full of beans instead of dog toys and office supplies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like, you know, the, like, you know, earlier, like, you know, six in the morning, like all of a sudden Jimmy's like dead sleep. And all of a sudden there's like a. <laughs> Who is it? It's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I need some coffee, man. No, no. Here's my question. Okay. Because. Eventually, he was in the final with the Lakers, right? Yes. So, did the competing team come to his room for the coffee? Like, if if you were playing against them? Because, keep in mind, okay, I asked this question only because we're old enough to remember how, back in the day, how cutthroat the Lakers were and vice versa, as far as there was no kindness paid to the other team. No. The, you know, like, like if would, someone falls, you don't pick them up. You don't pick them up. Their no. dressing room is colder than the other room. Yes. So if you want an advantage, would you not give them coffee? <laughs> would you cut them off? Either you would give them just a little <laughs> bit too much sugar. <laughs> yeah, I would like to believe that during the finals that he kind of restricted the uh, the coffee to the Lakers locker room. Not that it helped because the Lakers won. Yeah. still... <laughs> I can imagine him saying to LeBron, yo, man, I have to cut you off. Yeah, he's like, uh, LeBron's <laughs> like, come on now, I'll, I'll let you go on my, you know, my HBO show. Jimmy's like, nah, nah bro. Nah, nah bro. This is about that ring. You can come back later. Yeah. <laughs> no coffee for you. Call me back in two weeks, homie. <laughs> so kudos to um, Jimmy Butler and his new um, deal that he's creating online. Or not creating online, creating with his coffee empire. And dude, I'd love to have a pour over, although I'm not going to pay $20 for that small cup. You, you might have to break us off something a little different, but <laughs> not being an NBA <laughs> millionaire. But yeah. that's actually pretty ingenious. That's- it is pretty ingenious. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think maybe I should start my own coffee business. Oh, really? Yeah. 
I know nothing about coffee. But I was about to time, say, you know, know absolutely nothing about coffee. Yeah, but I got the name, like, you know. You add milk to latte. <laughs> Shut up. Yes, I add milk to lattes. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm the one hitting, like, you know, would you like some coffee with your milk? <laughs> yes, I, 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 I think I'm going to, you know, trademark my own coffee. I even have a name for it. I'm going to call it that damn donkey coffee. That damn donkey coffee? That damn donkey coffee. Why would you call it that? Because I'm going to feature my own special coffees. With my own special blends. I don't want to know. Matter of fact, my, I think <laughs> my signature... Please do not explain. That's right. My signature drink will be the Dark Desperado. <laughs> See? I was trying not to encourage you. You can't stop this, this train. <laughs> Apparently not. Yeah. So, speaking of other things that we can't stop, um, KFC was able to recently get some publicity <laughs> from from all people, Prince Williams. Prince Williams? Prince William. Oh, the... Uh... The future king of England. Okay, that guy. Yes. So, according to People Magazine... Prince William and Kate Middleton um, last week made a surprise outing in London on last Tuesday to meet some of the finalists of the Duchess of Cambridge Hold Still photo project. Mm. So they're out and about. Imagine they're just doing their thing, you know, being prince and princess, I guess. Dutch and duchess. Anyway, so they passed by a KFC restaurant and the future king of England, they said, couldn't help but steal a glance and style inside, stunning the customers in front of their lunch. So basically, someone at KFC saw, like, dude, Prince William is actually looking at us and didn't miss a beat. So they actually tweeted a picture of him peering inside the window with the caption, William whispered quietly to himself, oh, I just can't wait to be wing. Yes, I know that's bad. Yes. <laughs> You are correct. But then they quickly followed up with another tweet that has gained a lot of play online. And the tweet actually created a new nickname for the future king of England. Okay. It said, I'm sorry I didn't call him his royal finest in the main tweet. His royal finest. His royal finest. So apparently... Prince William has a distinct love for chicken, and I didn't know that. I, I, I don't know much about Prince William, to be honest. That's okay. I don't either. But apparently, according to people, in addition to a roast chicken being his go-to dish when he's at home, he actually shared that his favorite fast food chain is Nando's, which if you've not had Nando's peri-peri chicken, oh my God, get your life. It's so good. There's a couple in Chicago. So peri-peri chicken is chicken that's marinated in African bird's eye chili peppers. And you've had it before because remember we went to the Nando's. Okay. Okay. I didn't I didn't know. But yeah. okay. I see what you're saying. So apparently chicken was his thing. <laughs> so what do you think about Prince William's new nickname, His Royal Thighness? I think that's kind of weak, but okay. If that's where you want to call him, you, you know, you got to add some flavor to a otherwise bland topic. And yeah, your Royal Thighness is, is okay with me. 
you know, the question is, did Princess Catherine partake of this chicken? You know, I'm not really sure. Did you stop in and get them, you know, a bucket or, you know, did you get them a piece? I also think it's very telling that he was looking at the KFC. Because in my mind, Prince William is a KFC kind of person. Yeah. But Prince Harry and Meghan, they're the Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> they had to pull a little season on it. A little extra. They're the Popeyes. So wait <laughs> they want a, a little bit more than 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> so does that make, uh, okay, so does that make Prince Charles like the Boston market of this group? Yeah. Actually, you know what? I could totally see him being the Boston market. Yeah. Not a good thing. I mean, would you be surprised? No, I would not. No, no. So if he's the Boston market, then what is the queen? What's her racket? We don't know everything about the queen. We don't know what she keeps in her, uh, because she carries that purse. Oh, no, no. Remember remember that game we played in college years ago where it was like the word association? Mm -hmm. And Dave asked me what, what was in the queen's bag. And I said, she has a gun. She probably has like a pistol and some hot sauce. Oh, we know. <laughs> so you're saying the queen be uh The queen is hitting up the churches. Yeah. Walking up in there, be like, break yourself, fool. <laughs> I need, you know, the Cajun fried right now. No, the queen is kind of a badass. You know that she like drew like drove trucks in like World War Two, right? No, no, I did not. Yeah, she like um I forget the deal. Like she drove um, cheap jeeps in World War II. Like she served. I am absolutely shocked hearing this. I did not know this. Yeah, I forget who told me. Um, yeah, she drove. According to the History Channel, I had to look it up. Yes. Um. Well, she also doesn't have a passport. But I guess if you're the queen, you don't need a passport. But during World War II, after years of begging her father to let her pitch in, Elizabeth, who was then an 18-year-old princess, joined the Women's Auxiliary Territorial Service during that time. Known as second to Bolton Elizabeth Windsor, she donned a pair of coveralls and trained in London as a mechanic and a military truck driver. The Queen, actually, this is interesting. The Queen remains the only female member of the royal family to have entered the armed forces and it's still the only living head of state who served in World War II. Okay. Say what you want. She's a badass. See, I, I imagine in the grand scheme of things, she's the churches. I mean, I she give her credit. She might even dabble a little bit in the Popeyes. Hey, I, I don't care if she's churches for all I care. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm very glad to hear this because, you know, our American president didn't serve. So that be damned, but yeah, I give her credit. I did not know this. I am very impressed. Yeah, actually, not to go on a tangent, but the History Channel, um, they did like a, a documentary about her, mm-hmm. and she's actually pretty interesting. So, like her wedding dress, she paid with ration coupons at the time. Um, she actually didn't take her husband's name, which was unique for that time. She was actually one of the um, she was shot when she was a teenager. She was shot? Yes, she was shot when she was a teenager. You mean like Megan the Stallion shot? Yes. Wow. <laughs> At the time, she was riding her horse. Um, oh, no, she was shot by a teenager. Um, Marcus Sargent, who is a 17-year-old who idolized 
um, John F. Kennedy and John Lennon in the assassination, he fired six blank shots in the Queen's direction. Um, she once woke up to found a stalker in her bedroom, which is cray. Wait a minute. Come back for a second. He was, sh- she was shot by like by a dude who was shooting blanks. Yes. I mean, shot is shot. I mean, shot is shot, but like, if you're shooting blanks, then there are no bullets in the gun, right? I don't know enough about guns to know that. Okay. I just know that's what it is. But the weirdest thing about her, actually, is she has two different birthdays. Just two different birthdays. Yes. The reigning British monarch was born Elizabeth Alexander Mary of York on April 21st, 1926. However, each Commonwealth country traditionally celebrates her birthday on a designated day in either May or June. So in the United Kingdom, it falls on the first, second, or third Saturday in June. And Britain has officially marked its southern birthday since 19, I mean, 1748. So she actually has two birthdays officially. And she spends her real birthday, the one April 21st, April 21st, with family, and then there's like a public birthday that they all celebrate. I am okay. I learn something new about the British royalty every day. Just like I did not know until we visited Canada that we left on Victoria Day. I did not know that there was a Victoria Day until like the day we were leaving Toronto. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. And maybe I should have paid more attention, but to be honest, I was obsessed with getting as much poutine as possible before I left. True. Little did I realize that's probably the last time that I get to go to Canada because, again, we are not controlling the coronavirus, so we can't go anywhere with her. Oh, no, I'm controlling the coronavirus. I mean, the people outside in the United States of America. Um, yeah, so our passports are pretty useless. Yeah they're, about, uh, yeah, they're about as use- useful as Queen Victoria's right now. <laughs> so, sadly, won't be having the poutine anytime soon but yeah. kudos to his world thinness hopefully he's got some chicken and yeah i i would say she's bad at badass enough to enjoy the churches i i would put her above the boston market <laughs> no hate rate on that <laughs> so the last story that we want to talk about very briefly is one that big daddy is actually extremely passionate about and this is Involving a very important existential question. At your local McDonald's, is your ice cream machine broken? It is always broken. (laughs) And that is true. In fact, that's something that if there's one thing that should unite us as a nation in these difficult times, is the idea that no matter what McDonald's we go to, odds are you will experience at one point if you want a soft serve ice cream or a McFlurry or a milkshake, yes. that those machines are broken. Damn it. And so after decades of being made fun of, of the fact that this is actually a thing, the um, franchisees and other people of the McDonald's franchise um, corporation, they decided that they want to do something about it. So believe it or not, they are actually setting out to develop a task force to ensure that McDonald is no longer the butt of jokes when it comes to soft serve. Task force. Yes. Okay. So right now, if you type in the words McDonald's ice cream machine into Google, it'll automatically suggest some searches. But of course, we all know it leads to jokes and the fact that you cannot get it done. Um, so what this task force is, is actually being led 
um, by Tyler Gamble, who is a franchisee of McDonald's chain and leader of the chain's National Supply Leadership Council. And he announced the creation, believe it or not, of this McFurry. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again because McFurry sounds really dirty. Yes, it does. I'm Mc- not drinking it. McFlurry focused task force at the National um, Owners Association meeting earlier in October. He said, I will not feel that my tenure as your equipment lead has been a success until we found a way to ensure that McDonald's is no longer the butt of the joke, even with their own social media team. But let's be honest, according to Food & Wine, this is actually something that's happened before. In fact, in 2016, um, it was determined by a data analytics company that the broken ice cream machines were the most common customer complaint on social media. No kidding. And in 2017, writer McRena, writer Rena McLeod was so pissed off by her inability to get a McFlurry that she actually created an app that was called Ice Check, which allowed users to kind of crowdsource and share information. So as they approach a McDonald's, if the ice cream machine isn't working, you can real-time update it and let people know that it's not working. Damn it. See, right then and there, I was like, I, I need to be part of this task force. <laughs> matter of fact, I'm calling up every McDonald's uh, franchisee and be like, listen, um, hello, do you have your shake machine up and running? <laughs> do you or do you not have your shake machine running? If you do not, please let me know. <laughs> Because I will not frequent your restaurant unless you tell me the shake machine is frequent and running. McDaddy is... I'm serious. This gets on your nerves a lot because how often do you crave a McDonald's milkshake? Which, as a side note, I don't know if I've ever had a McDonald's milkshake in my life. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. wait. No, no. That's not true. I've had the the Mc... um, What did they put out in... You're talking about like the shamrock shake? Yes, I've had a shamrock shake. Okay. Okay, I will scratch that. I've had the shamrock shake. But that only comes out once in quite uh, once. Yeah, once, you know, once like, a year. it comes out for like a month in between February and March. But I always assume that the shamrock shake is there because, dude, why advertise the freaking shamrock shake if it's not available at your restaurant? Right. So I've never had experienced the pain at least in recent memory of going to a restaurant and asking for a shamrock shake and they, it's not working because at least they make sure that their shit is together during that month because people want their shamrock shake. But that said, I know that you expressly have experienced that pain when it comes to not having access to the soft serve. That's right. As a little kid who has grown up, you know, Whenever you would, you know, pass by the McDonald's and you would always say to your mama, I want McDonald's. I want McDonald's. And whenever she would relent and would not hit me up with the, do you got McDonald's, McDonald's money? money. <laughs> like, front line. I would say, okay, somewhere inevitably in there, I would ask, like, you know, can I get my combo or Happy Meal with the milkshake? And every once in a while, they would tell me, oh, no, our shake machine is broken. After you hear that about 20, 30 times, you start to get a little grumpy about that. And I'm not saying that in any way, because let's let's be real. Is McDonald's shakes 
or McFlurry's the best thing on the market? No. Are they the best, you know, best made milkshakes or, you know, soft serve ice cream? No. But it's the most easily accessible um, place to get such things. And every time, well, at least up till the point there became this issue with every damn shake machine within a 30-mile radius. And it's always the shake machines in the nice neighborhoods that are working. How come, like, you know, the ones in the hood near me, they never work? So I'm 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 all in my feelings, yes. But my thing is, yeah, inevitably you want a shake, even at, you know, weird times of the day, night. And you say, okay, McDonald's, open. Yes, can I have a milkshake? Oh, our shake machine's broken. Okay, so when are you going to get it fixed? Uh, we don't know. We're working, we're working on, waiting on a part. Why don't you, like, when the, at a certain point, wouldn't the McDonald's just, like, you know, when you get the part, you know, you know, get that part in bundles. Like, you know, get them all together. Keep that machine going. Because there are people out there like me who are just saying, every once in a while you want, you know, do you want a milkshake or you want a soft serve ice cream? I'm ha- I'm sorry. I'm having feelings right now. I need a, I need a break. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need a second. Do you, do you, should we give a moment of silence for the all the falling machines that you've encountered? Yeah, it, it's it's everywhere. It's all across the country and in Canada and overseas. <laughs> I think that like you know the little kids in Thailand they are not happy with this because the shake machines are always broken. Well, there is hope for those of you out there who want to maybe get a hands up on what machines are working and maybe don't have the time or the wherewithal in order to wait for this task force, which is definitely according to the gentleman on its way. Um, Believe it or not, there is another app that is in the works um, that was created by a software engineer by the name of Rashik Saheed. And so he too shares your frustration, although I'm not sure if he puts it in such elegant terms as you do <laughs> <laughs> about the frustration that um, it's hard for him to to know what's working when it comes to um, the machine. Mm-hmm. So he created something that's called McBroken. McBroken. With broken, which is a site um, that is ran by a bot. And the way it works is, believe it or not, this bot is programmed to place an order every 30 minutes for exactly $18,752 worth of McSundays. Goodness. So what it does is it goes through the McDonald's app. And for those of you who ordered food through the McDonald's app or any app, like, for example, Starbucks works the same way. Where, say, for instance, you're on your way and you're ordering ahead of time to get something at your local Starbucks, right? And you want to have cold brew coffee, like the nitro cold brew, and they're out. It will not let you order from the actual app. It'll actually tell you that it's down or not available or sold out or however the app does it. Well, the McDonald's app does the same thing. And so what this actually does is this bot will go through and run just basic chats through the mobile app, which you can use to place an order in any McDonald's location. 
So if you add a McDonald's ice cream order to your cart, the theory goes that the machine at that location is working. And if you can't, then it's not. So he basically reverse engineered the internal ordering API. And when he launched the tool and he's placing an order worth $18,752 at every McDonald's in the U.S. to figure out which location has a broken ice cream machine. Wait a minute. Run that back. Wait a minute. How how many orders are placed? Oh, $18,752 worth. Goodness. Of orders. So milkshakes. Yes. <laughs> and according to an article in Ars Technica, um, it printed a data um, picture um, that kind of gives you an idea of where in the country that the machine is working, like you said earlier. Yeah. So, for example, at the time in which this article was written, and this article was posted recently on October 23rd, it's still up on the site. Um, at the time of writing, just under 10% of McDonald's ice cream machines are broken nationwide. That's which, some bullshit. Which I find hard to believe because remember that one time we went to three McDonald's and they were all not working? I told you all around, like, you know, <laughs> you even leave your neighborhood and you go to, like, you know, a semi-decent, you know, McDonald's that's open on a, you know, good evening. Oh, yeah. Can I get, a, you know, a, can I get a McBlurry? Uh, our shake machine is broken. Okay. All right. Third time, you know, third strike. I was very upset. Yeah. Third time was not the charm that day. No, it was not. But hear, hear this. In New York City, at the time of this article was written, almost 24% of the ice cream machines were broken. I believe that. And in Seattle, it's 20% and 14% in the Washington, D.C. area. Well, see, I don't understand because Starbucks came in and broke their machines. Yes. So whether or not the franchisees take their um, matter into their own hands, um, Rainer McLeod, who was so upset about not being able to get an Oreo McFlurry late at night that she created the app that we talked about, or Rashik's um, brilliant McBroken. The good thing is there are some resources that are available. So if you are so inclined to get that kind of craving, you can at least take advantage of it. So. Um, yes. yes. So there's hope. There's hope. <laughs> Even though at the same time, I don't know if that, you know, improves their uh, tenacity to fix their machines or replace them. Oh, no, no, no. That's not going to happen. No. Not anytime soon. But at least you know where not to go. Okay. <laughs> So I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to close out the podcast as we always do talking about the best thing we ate this week. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast and we will be right back. Hello, I'm Carrie. And I'm Emily. And if you, like us, are slightly on the nerdy side and have an interest, fascination or musing for anything historical, then we have the podcast for you. Our podcast, A Nice Cup of History, takes a historical event, place or person and delves into the facts, fictions and myths surrounding it, all whilst enjoying a nice cuppa or sometimes something stronger. Each week, we finish with a special segment we call Ridiculous Deaths, which looks into the absolute bizarre ways some people have died or survived, and what we can learn from them, such as why alcohol and sailing should never go hand in hand on a moonlit night, 
and why bridges and butts don't mix. We are listened to globally, which blows our minds. So if you have any suggestions for topics for us to discuss, please let us know. So, come join us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts from, and let's let's get get historical! Hey everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we are back with the last segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast, where we share the best thing we ate this week. And... This week, we have two really unique choices um, that are brand new to the region that we call home. Um, We, of course, will share our choices in the show notes. So if you happen to make your way, particularly if you're in the Chicagoland area, Northwest Indiana, um, feel free. You can stop by and try out these two really great restaurants. And we are actually hoping very soon, just as a side note, to open it up to our listeners where you can share the best thing that you ate this week. Um, That'll give us an opportunity while we're still um, hopefully sheltering in place or staying in a socially distanced location from one another to still share some of the great places um, where you have tried some really great food that you think that people should know more about. And just as a side note, if you want to share the best thing that you ate this week, you can drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com, and maybe we'll read your response and put it on the show. So Big Daddy, as always, we start with you. So what is the best thing you ate this week? The best thing I ate this week. Goodness gracious. I mean, other than, you know, hospital food. No, the you best thing. hospital food, did you? I was quick. <laughs> but no, the best thing I ate this week actually came from uh, someplace mobile. It was actually a food truck. And it was actually a food truck in uh, my hometown, the GI. Uh, it was called Cracked. Yes. It's actually on uh, Fifth Avenue between 4th and 5th um, near the Steel Yard, uh, the baseball stadium for the Geary Railcats, and, of course, the U.S. Steel. Um, it was this random food truck or a set of food trucks that's uh, – kind of situated right now on uh fifth avenue uh right before you get to downtown or just near downtown and i partook the goober and i we decided to try uh two breakfast sandwiches or i guess they were kind of like breakfast burritos i want to say yes um i know that the the selection was uh i think there were like three of these burritos um along with some Tater tots. I guess they were tots. There were the ones that we had were Parmesan and truffle. Oh, they were so good. Yeah. Yes. They were very <laughs> tasty and very filling. But the, I remember the breakfast burritos very distinctly. Uh, one was called a Dr. Seuss, which I believe had spinach. Right. It had spinach. It had pesto. Yes. Um, lots of really great and filling and delicious stuff. Yeah. It had spinach, bacon. Um, green peppers. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, had some sausage, eggs. Um, that was one, and that was one of my favorites. The other one was called the Hungry Chief, which is a little bit more, you no, know, I would say manly. <laughs> um, Didn't had, it have chorizo in it? It was a very strong chorizo. Yes. I mean, I shouldn't say very strong, but it was a very filling just from because I only had half of the burrito. But just one half of the burrito was very filling. Um, I know the 
It had hash browns in it. Yeah, it did have hash browns. Um, they also had breakfast tacos, which are very good too. But yeah, having the hungry sheep definitely filled me up very good. So that, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, was the best thing I ate this week. And can I just give a shout out to Cracked? Because Cracked is um, the food truck that they've recently brought to Northwest Indiana in this area. It's actually, for those of you who live in the Chicagoland area, you think that that sounds familiar. That's because there is a Cracked restaurant on Milwaukee in Wicker Park. And there is actually was a Cracked food truck um, that was in Champaign, I think, on the university campus out there, the University of Illinois in Champaign, um, Urbana. Um, they recently decided, and I love this idea, they recognized that um, this area of Northwest Indiana, which they came to, is basically a food desert. And so they decided to bring the food truck there to bring really great artisan choices um, to the people of Gary um, and the people of the steel mill so they can enjoy it. So there's actually two food trucks that are together. There's one that has really great barbecue, and we've had that before. And then they have this breakfast food truck that's there all day. So for those of you that are in the near the Wicked Park location, my understanding is they're still open. So you can, if you can't cross the border right now, which is understandable because sadly, as I mentioned earlier, Northwest Indiana is on the quarantine list. So it may not be as easy for you to cross the border right now in order to try it. But you can go to your own restaurant, support them. I've talked to the owner of the food truck. He's super, super nice. And again, um, a really great way to enjoy some of the um, Parmesan um, truffle tater tots, as well as the two breakfast burritos. And they were really filling. Like, I just got two burritos and we split them and then we each had like half of one. But man, that was like really good. Yeah. It was very, very good. Like, I was not ready for how filling that the two uh, burritos were. And you know, the thing that got me was I was thinking that you would be all about the Hungry Chief. But I asked you which one you liked and you really liked the Dr. Seuss. Which blew my mind because, dude, like spinach and pesto, getting Big Daddy to eat that. Yeah. But he totally loved it. <laughs> that was the thing, like, because the the buildup for the hungry chief was like, okay, I'm like getting this big hearty meal. But weirdly enough, like, the Dr. Seuss, which is kind of like green eggs and ham almost, was actually, like, if you like a, a nice leaner um, thing that kind of like fills you up, but doesn't like, you know, seem too filling because the hunger chief definitely will fill you. If you are really into that, the Dr. Seuss actually was a uh, nice and clean. And I mean, it was, it was a good hearty meal, but at the same time, like nice and lean. Also, I'd like to uh, give a shout out to the other food truck, which was Blacktop Barbecue. Oh, yeah. They were great. Oh, yeah. They have a lovely brisket. <laughs> lovely brisket sandwich. And Big Daddy's hard on brisket. So if he tells you it's a lovely brisket, you can take it to the bake. Yeah. <laughs> well, my choice is also in the the region, as we affectionately call this area. There is a new place that recently opened up that's called The Burger House. And we had an opportunity to order from them recently. And they pride themselves on having really crazy burgers. Like I'm talking everything from, you can get something called Signature, the Burger House Burger, which is a half pound burger 
with cheese, tomatoes, pickles. They have one um, that is elotes. Um, they have elotes fries. They have a Philly cheese steak burger. Um, they have something which is, um, what? oh, the boogie burger. The boogie burger. No, no, no. Oh, no, the boogie burger is something different. But the boogie burger is actually, that's the one that has a burger. It has shrimp, <laughs> special sauce, cheese sauce, onion. But then they also have one that's made with two um, two donut buns, basically. Okay. Yes. So we ordered because, dude, if you have something that's called the Boogie Burger, you, of course, get it. Yes. <laughs> Why would you not? Call the Boogie. <laughs> so we ordered from them. Um, and then what I got was I got something that they have that's called the Surf and Turf, which is basically like this loaded fried dish that comes with garlic cream sauce. It has shrimp. um that is lightly battered in a tempura type coating and then lightly fried. Um, it also has steak Parmesan. It has all of these really delicious fresh herbs and it's sitting on a bed of fries. So it's kind of like poutine, but not because <laughs> it doesn't have, um, of course, the cheese curds, but that said, Oh my gosh, you get a lot of the portion for it. And it's just really, really good. The fries themselves um, were one of those thin cut fries that they have. Okay. Um, the garlic cream sauce really blended well with like the fresh herbs, which was like fresh rosemary, um, pressed parsley. I mean, it was, it just really added something to the dish. So it's kind of like, it's hard to describe. I mean, it's, and this restaurant does feature a lot of loaded fries. So they have everything from Philly fries, elote fries, which is roasted corn and plumbano peppers, lime, uh, crime, lime crema, um, flaming hot Cheetos, which I think it's hysterical. They have one fry that is called a honey garlic shrimp and chicken loaded fries. Smacking my lips right now. Yes. <laughs> that comes with shrimp, buttermilk fried chicken bites and a honey garlic drizzle. But yeah, the surf and turp, it was just perfect. I mean, it's good hearty portion. I had some leftover for, um, for a snack before dinner and just perfectly done. I mean, the fries were not over. I mean, all of the seasoning and other stuff was on the fries the way they packaged it, it didn't sweat through. You know, a lot of times where the fries get soggy. Yeah. Um, so they did it just crisp enough. And they were not overly salty. No. And that was another great thing because I tried to watch my salt. And the whole thing was just perfectly seasoned. So I could not have asked for a better um, dish to snack on. Oh, and, and just as a side note, we also got, didn't we also get their garlic? Gosh, what was it? It was garlic parmesan fries. Yeah, for some reason we had like a garlic, I'm sorry, we had like a Parmesan love that week. Yes, we had a Parmesan love that week. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do recommend hitting them up for the garlic Parmesan fries as well. And then you remember the burger that you got? Because you really liked the burger. I think my burger was, it was actually, I think the 
was it the classic, the all-American-ish burger? I think so, but you really loved the burger as well, right? Yeah, it was really I mean, substantial. Yeah, I'm not going to lie and say that Like when the Goober ordered the burger for me, I was thinking, okay, you know, it's your basic, you know, house burger, not too crazy. You know, I wasn't going to go crazy at night. I was just thinking, just get a burger and go. But actually, the I think mine was a half pound burger. Yeah. A little more, but like for what they gave you, the portions actually filled me up. And I mean, that's me, you know, all 200 and some odd pounds. <laughs> um, it filled me up a little quicker than I thought. And I was actually very pleased with it. It was nice and done. So, everyone, I just want to um, say that, again, if you can make your way out to this area, cannot recommend them enough. They're really great. And, of course, I will put them in the show notes, so hopefully you can show them a little love. So, we are wrapping this episode up um, of the Gourmet Goober podcast. Big Daddy, where can they find you? Well, since you have not had enough of us, (laughs) once again, you can find me, T. Outlaw. On Twitter at T Outlaw and also on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells. I'm on Twitter. You can hit me up anytime at JJ Outlaw. You can find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Please drop us a line and tell us uh, how you like the show, ask a question, or even share the best thing that you ate this week. You can always go and reach out to us at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And of course, hit us up at the read. Oh, goodness. Why did I say the read? <laughs> I don't know either. You know what? I was thinking about the read earlier. They were they had a really good episode this week. <laughs> okay. No, but you can hit us at thegourmetgoober.com. Once again, that's the gourmetgoober.com. <laughs> well, for Big Daddy and I, I'm here um at the Gourmet Goober podcast as always. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time in another 2 weeks. Until then, happy eating. Happy eating.